0: The conversations we have, you and I, you and one another, whatever conversations we have together are not ever simply raw, unfiltered words and information, but rather are always centered in story, in story, in the ways we have come to understand the world to be. Our past most certainly influences the way we understand the present and how we look to the future, thinking about the, the, probably the closest relationship that I've ever had, that of my marriage for nearly 37 years to Luce, my lovely bride, still a bride, I think I said princess a while ago, it's both and, whatever good comes out, it's Luce. Luce and I now come from very, very different experiences as far as family structure and cultural conventions and faith expressions, childhood upbringing, spoken language, housing, schooling, job opportunities, foods eaten, and and even modes of transportation that we grew up with. And although we've been together for, for quite a long time, more than some of you, not as much as others, We continue to learn each other's story, and it makes our life together both challenging at times, but oh, so delectably sweet. Even with all those years under our belt, our pre-us lives, continue to give shape to, to words and, that we use in conversation with one another, continue to shape how we dream, the expectations we have both for and of each other, and our children, and our grandchildren, and our neighbors, and the government. Our pre-us lives continue to give shape to how and when household duties are to get done, how to deal with conflict, prioritize needs, use money, deal with illness, and on and on and on. I dare say there's not an aspect of our life that goes untouched by the stories we each grew up with, grew up in for the 21 years before we met and began living out a synthesized new story, our story together. And it is made for uh, lively conversations, and will, as long as we both shall live, and after this, I'm not sure how much longer, I will be living. (laughs) Because our conversations are never, never simply raw, unfiltered information, but words and actions that grow out of our story and the way we have come to understand the world have come to understand ourselves to be and to be in the world. And in my experience, what I've found is that the greater we are committed to respecting one another's stories and the vulnerability that comes with sharing our stories with one another as we converse and traverse through this life together, the, the more we grow to be known. And what's more, the more we grow to love one another. Isn't that right, Luz? Ah, oh, you shaking her head yes, good. We all converse in and from our stories. Tales taken from the flesh-and-blood existence of our life-lived experience. Tales of courage and timidity, of accomplishments and failures, of of hurt and healing, of, of towers of expectations being dismantled brick by brick, or in one fell swoop of surprise. Tales of deception and sincerity, of peril and rescue, of losing and finding, of lostness and foundness. Stories of ourselves, our families, our people, from long past and just from this morning. When life is rolling along good, we we live pretty much at ease and take it all for granted. But when life is a tizzy with change or trouble, we long to hear another story that that will speak into our tragedy, a story about companionship and consolation that gives us hope for a brighter future. You and I, we journey through all our years, shaped by our story, and ever listening, most often with only half an ear, ever craving, as Reynolds Price puts it, nothing less than the perfect story. The story that will eventually right all wrongs and in the meantime, until that day, provide us a durable hope to carry us through The challenges and changes of life that we face. In our search to satisfy that craving, now we who have been lucky enough to carry a past in which we were blessed with good and plenty, with health and wholeness, with welcome and acceptance, we are often tempted, and I speak from experience, We are often tempted to wish that if we and and the rest of the world could only get back to the way things were, our craving would be met and all would be well. The temptation is to believe that nostalgia for the past provides us a faithful pathway through present troubles and into a future filled with promise. That's the temptation. Psalm 126 reminds us that neither our past nor nostalgia for it provides such a clear pathway, does not, and cannot. Psalm 126 is a short tale packed with the clear truth that our lives, past, present, and future are intimately wrapped up with God. And that remembrance of the past acts of God is what will finally feed our present reality with hope for the future. Let me say that again. Remembrance of the past act of God is what will feed our present reality with hope for the future. The perfect story in which all wrongs are finally righted and in the meantime provides us durable hope to carry on through our ever-changing days is, is the story of the God who converses with us, is committed to us, and who respects our vulnerability to the point of becoming vulnerable himself so we might be fully known And being so known, discovered that we are completely loved. The story of this God with us is that perfect story which will finally satisfy our craving. Now Psalm 126 is the seventh in the collection of 15 that bear the designation A Song of Ascents. And as Erica pointed out last week, this collection is most widely accepted to be traveling songs that Jewish pilgrims would recite, would sing, would call and respond together as they ascended the heights to their festival destination, to Jerusalem, Zion, the city of David, the site of the temple. And the temple was the very place designated by the unhouseable an untamable God, creator of all that is as the sanctified space where heaven and earth actually met, where God actually met with his people Israel and through them promised to meet the whole world with an overflowing abundance of goodness. The songs of Ascent Collection, on sale from KTEL for 1995. There are 15 catchy tunes, catchy tunes to Hebrew speakers anyway, that rang out from the portable karaoke machines of pilgrims climbing their way to celebrate the, the big three Jewish festivals every year Pesach, which is Passover, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Sukkot. Which is the festival of booths or tabernacles. You can be sure, no doubt, that Jesus took his fair turns at the mic as he hoofed it from the region of Galilee up to Jerusalem along with his traveling compadres and the rest of the bustling crowds to celebrate those festivals each year. Remember the seventh song encourages. Remember our captivity. When we were driven from our homes, dragged away in chains to a foreign land, those 70 years were bitter. We were enveloped in tribulation, laid low in darkness without any light, like the dead We longed for our land, Eretz Israel, for our homes, for our fields, our rivers and streams, our figs and pomegranates, wine and dancing. We, We longed to sing our songs together on the way to the temple. Remember how when captive, our cries for help seemed to be drowned out by the laughter of our captors, taunting us all the day filled with such bitterness, we forgot what happiness even is. Remember, more importantly though, the Psalm picks up at the beginning, Remember when the Lord then restored our fortunes, restored the fortunes of Zion. Remember when the Lord returned us home after our time of captivity. Remember how we felt then? It it was like waking from a dream that did not fade away in the morning light but became our reality. We were alive. We were back in our land to plow and sow and harvest again back in our rubbled cities and homes to rebuild and start afresh. We were given back our songs and vines and fruit trees to tend and to share, given back our life to reorient afresh. To the way God has shown us that leads to abundance for all the high and the low the rascals and the pious the fearful and the assured remember what the Lord has done for us oh how we how we laughed for the sheer absurdity of it all that God had delivered us and returned us home we who had set our ways far away from him Little old us, whom the world had gobbled up as nothing more than icing on their cake, we cried so many tears of joy and thanksgiving that that all the jars of purification could never contain them all. Remember, remember, the psalmist writes, this was not our doing. This was God's doing. We were considered among the dead, and God brought us back to life. Remember, our life has always been in God's hand, and God had yet again heard our cries and acted on our behalf. Remember all the ways that God has shown himself to be good and faithful in our distress when all others have forgotten us, we can be sure that we are known by God, that our cries do not go unheard, and that we are so completely loved. Psalm 126 begins with the story of God's mighty acts of rescue. And this, the story goes this is how we rightfully face the troubles. We may face in the present today. Holding those memories of our faithful God as our centering story gives us proper words, proper attitude, proper posture to face the troubles and concerns that assail us. By doing so, we find our proper place is not in our own hands, but in God's hands as his loved ones who can trust him with our life. It's not that we go about pretending the worries and the troubles are are no big deal and that they have no impact on us. No, remembering God's faithful actions in the past, we we are free to cry out to God, to lament our situation, because we know that God hears our cries and has bound himself to us for good. Grounded in this durable hope, we cry out in our distress, Restore us, O Lord! We remember your mighty work in the past that delivered us, so so now carry us through our present trouble and we will laugh again and delight and cry streams of thankful tears at your arrival, not to get back to the good old days but to start anew, to begin afresh, realigned to your way of life in the world. I like those once exiled Israelites living out their days as captives in a foreign land. We may be crying out for years, for decades even, but we do so with our hope affixed rightly on God, who by his truthful word has bound himself to us for good. Rush in, we cry. Rush in like the sudden rains in the Negev desert and saturate us with your goodness so that we might again blossom with laughter and shouts of joy. The Negev desert. The Negev Desert may be unfamiliar terrain or territory to you, so I have a couple things to show us. Josh, can you give a slide one up there? The Negev is the southernmost region of the country of Israel. It makes up 55% of Israel's territory, but holds only about 8%, 8% of the population. Interesting fact. The oldest surface on Earth yet discovered, a vast region of desert pavement that has survived undisturbed for 1.8 million years is located here in the Negev. The Negev is classified as a desert. Can you get the second slide up there? There's a, there's a site. It's classified as a desert region and ranges in annual precipitation from under two inches in its southernmost end to about 12 inches in its northernmost section. If you don't know, the annual rainfall of Flint, Michigan, is about 32 inches a year. A little more wet here than the Negev. The riverbeds or the wadis are dry almost always in the Negev, but when it does rain not only does the flora and the fauna rejoice, but the people do too. The Wadi Zin recently, which originates in the central mountain crater Maktesh Ramon, after years of drought, the Wadi Zin recently ran again its 75-mile course carrying its precious load all the way to the Dead Sea. Little clip to show you the oncoming torrents of water. Is there sound on that, Judge? Oh, no sound on that one? Well, just watch. You can imagine the sound. The desert the Negev Desert, an arid, barren place. But when the rainy season comes and the droughts end, it flows and it fills a hard, rocky surface, coats it with water and seeps down into whatever cracks it can find to bring forth new life. In times of trouble, we remember God's past faithfulness Rush in, Lord, like rain that suddenly fills the dry riverbeds in the Negev. Remembering the past acts of God is what will feed our present reality with hope for the future. Our longing for the perfect story in which all wrongs are finally righted when life is joyful again. When hearts are aligned to God's way and hands living out only kindness, this this longing is met in this God who converses with us, is committed to us, who respects our vulnerability to the point of becoming vulnerable himself so we might be fully known. Therein, we know that we are completely loved. This is the story that provides us with durable hope, that sets us free to live as his people throughout all our days, sharing the good news of his faithfulness to those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who have been discarded, those who have no home, those whose joy has been dried up, like the Negev, with hope seemingly out of reach by the troubles they face. These are the seeds we sow even in the midst of our tears, that are the promise of God's faithful love for the world God has created and has claimed as home. Now maybe you're here today finding yourself stuck in a life story that's left you experiencing only barrenness. And you find it difficult, maybe even impossible, to speak of the great things the Lord has done for you because you don't recall any. Maybe your life has been on the brink of death from before you can even remember and maybe you've never even had hope or you've given up hoping because you've only experienced it as the first step along the road to yet another disappointment. Or maybe you're here today and your life has been on the brink of death from from a specific moment in your story to which you can point and say, then is when it all began. My fear to care again, my giving up on remembering, on dreaming, my mistrust of hoping any longer. Then is when it all began, The, the loss of my life. And you can point to it and cry out, only, if only, if only. Or maybe you're here today and you find yourself right now in this moment on the edge, on the path, but teetering along a precipice, a relationship on the rocks, an economic situation that has you facing eviction or food store shortage. Sleeplessly awaiting a medical diagnosis, readying yourself for for the other shoe to drop. And here you are, teetering on the precipice and wondering if you are all alone. Looking into a dark abyss on the one side and on the other, catching, catching the sight just ahead or maybe it's miles in the distance, you can't be for sure. You see, the pathway opens up, widens into a spacious, fertile land in in which you will have enough, are healed, fully clothed, reconciled, and the joy of life restored. If I can only keep my footing Friends, I'm not here to tell you, don't don't worry, be happy. Because someday you'll finally find Shangri-La. Someday you'll finally go to heaven and be done with all of this. And all that comes, the messiness that comes with living in the confines of mortal space. Not here to tell you, don't worry, be happy. That's not the story I'm here to share with you. And I'm not even here to tell you that though you may soon find yourself catching your breath and brimming with relief as you walk into that widening pathway with yourself mostly intact, the relationship renewed, the prognosis promising eviction avoided, and enough food on the table, money in your pocket. I'm not here to tell you that another frightful precipice may not be arising before you. You and I know well enough through our years of experience that that is not the way life works. Rather, I'm, I'm here among you today with a pocket full of seeds, Seeds, you are not alone. Your life story matters. But it is not the defining story in this narrative. There is a more ancient, a deeply rooted story that you are part of, whether you realize it or not. It's the story of God, the creator of all that is, of even you, of God who has bound himself to us, to you, just as you are at peace or troubled in body, mind, and spirit. This is the God who respects our vulnerability, so respects, in fact, that in Jesus took up our mortal flesh that at times brings us such delights and at other times such troubles. Took up our mortal flesh in order to to make his dwelling place here among us. And Jesus, God with us, Jesus died for love of us. Love of you. And for love of us, God raised him to new life, an embodied fleshly life. And so began the undoing of all wrongs so that we too might live embodied anew as God's people who have been set free to love one another as we converse and traverse together through this life. For love of us, Jesus now rules over all creation and has poured out his spirit into our spirits like the torrents of the rainy season filling up the dry riverbeds in the Negev us so that we might live at peace in the midst of the world's confusion, so that we might be about the work of sowing seeds of hope throughout the world God so loves, so that we might love and care for one another with a ferocity that works justly, acts with kindness, and walks humbly, with our heads held high, for we know that we are God's beloved. That's the story in which we live, whether we know it or not. And I know you all Or some of you may be laughing at the sheer absurdity of it all but that's the story I'm here to tell you how God is so committed to us to you that we are fully known by God and yet are so completely loved this is the perfect story we must remember. For it will always feed our present reality with hope for the future. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. You can learn more about us at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 1030 a.m. to worship with us. We would love to welcome you and your family to worship. Have a great week.